Welcome. You're listening to the Grow Ortho Podcast, presented by HIP. This podcast is dedicated to orthodontists who want to stand strong in their market and be leaders in their community. Now, on to today's show. Carolyn, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe just two to three minutes. I'm an interior architectural designer, and I own a firm called Crossfields Design, and we specialize in interiors and architecture in the holistic health realm for doctors that want to grow and expand and elevate their practice. And we work virtually all over the country. I guess, how'd you get your your start in this? Where did, where did all this start? The way we got our start is that it's, but so first it's my husband and myself, and we were doing design build projects in the Atlanta area. And my background is interior architecture and his is architectural engineering and construction. And our largest client starting around 2003, 2004 became Life University, which is the chiropractic college here in the, here in Atlanta. And we were doing facility design and we were doing uh, office design. We did their clinics, we did, but we became immersed in understanding chiropractic and how they worked. And we began to understand um, their challenges, but we also began to understand that they had no clue really overall that when they opened an office, that their office was not just a functional space. It actually was part of their marketing. It's Mm. like we call it, it's the package around your service. It's like the brand around your service. That branding, as we know, is much more than just a logo. It's the whole how you show up. And that interior environment was either hurting them or could be helping them. So our goal was to help give them that boost and elevate um, the profession by helping them understand that your environment impacts your success. We're interiors and architecture. So the architecture people think, yeah, I got to get that done. That's the bread and butter. But the interior part of it is there's a psychology of the space that you want to use. And in business, in commercial, in design, interior design is not a luxury like it is in residential. Interior design is an understanding how people function in the space and are impacted by that space, both psychologically and functionally. So form follows function. You know, my wife and I are kind of designing, um, we just started the beginning phases of designing our future home, which is going to be next to the house we live in now. We live in like the guest house. Um, and it's virtual. So it's with somebody who's not too far from us, probably about four hours or so in Baton Rouge. But basically, we're doing calls on Zoom and meetings like that. And, you know, there's a shared drive. So is that how you guys set it up? Is there Zoom meetings and you're just leveraging the Internet? And so you can do a project for someone anywhere. Yes, yes. And what's interesting is that we actually started this in 2011 before it was cool to do virtual. Oh, wow. The main reason is because when we did our market research, we had our vision and what we wanted to do. Well, there just wasn't enough, especially when we were focused 100% on chiropractors from the very beginning. We knew that there was not enough in proximity to make it valuable. So we had to find a way to serve the market, the larger market. The other thing, it just made sense because our drawing programs were all on the computer. So we were drawing and working on program on the space plan and three dimensions and all those things with the client watching us in the computer. So it was that part worked beautifully. 
And then what we worked out when we did get down to the more traditional interior finishes and things of that sort, we would start, or what we still do is we start with visuals on the screen and then they actually get shipped a box with all the samples in it to make choices from because designers know you never pick a pick something off of a screen. Yeah. <laughs> the colors yeah. aren't there, the textures, nothing's there. So yeah, we worked out a system. That's what we've been doing. That's awesome. So with someone who may not use you at first, let's say somebody does a startup, they, they build out their practice and a couple years into it, maybe they realize things aren't right. Maybe it's numerous things, not just the flow and the function and, you know, how the office feels. Maybe it's also their, their marketing. Like you're saying, it's, it's got to be the whole package. You know, what are some of the things that you guys see maybe when you get involved later on and you're doing an upgrade or you're going to reno a space, I, I assume, that some of yeah. your clients are like, what are some things that you hear people saying, I wish I would have known this, or you're just seeing uh, the same type of mistakes happen kind of over and over again when someone doesn't go down the right path? First and very biggest mistake is they really don't understand the process of the the design and architecture and construction process. And that the best way for that process to flow beautifully is to make as many decisions as you can up front so that all of those decisions are layered together. And as they impact each other, they're considered before anything starts to be built. And I would advise you that on building your house also, okay, as mm -hmm. much as you can try to get the whole idea up front. The other thing you end up with is you end up with a wonderfully put together construction package so you can be much more firm about your price. You're not having all the change orders that happen down the pike, et cetera. So if you don't do that path and you just get a floor plan done and then you're starting to make decisions in the field, like, well, what light fixture do you really want? Because you don't have to have that on a set of construct permit drawings. What, you know, what, how do you want this front desk designed? Things that are kind of, you don't have to have for permits. Because right. permits just care about the space uh, flow, meaning can you get out? So the emergency, they're very focused on safety. They're very focused on the codes that need to be met, but they're not really focused on, do you have all the details you need to finish, finish the space? So once that permit package, and it can be priced from that, once that permit package is put out there and priced and the contractor starts building, there's a lot of decisions that may not have been made. And so the chiropractor or the doctor who's trying to start his business is getting pulled into this project on a pretty regular basis, making decisions. So that's what we try to avoid. We try to get all those decisions as much as we can up front. So then the doctor can just focus on marketing, focus on management, hiring the right people, focus on the things that they do best and building their practice and not worry about what color the wall is going to be, you know, a week before the painter gets there. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense. You know, you talked about the psychology of things. How did you guys arrive or, or kind of find out what does work in terms of psychology, you know, and, and subconsciously, you know, people are judging books by the cover, even though we say not to, you know, you instantly kind of know how you feel when you interact with someone and kind of feel their energy or you interact with the space. So what's that look like in your process? So first off, interior design designers 
are educated and learn interior architecture and they learn, it starts intuitively, yes, but they learn the elements that impact psychology. So there's principles of design that are important. There's elements of design that impact the psychology, like a straight line, a tall straight line will make you want to stand up where mm-hmm. a horizontal line will make you want to sit more, sit down. It's real subtle elements, different textures will feel different ways, different colors. Colors have a whole psychology of themselves. Light levels change the mood. So all of those elements are kind of a tool chest that we have as designers. But where we start is we start with who are you trying to attract into your office? Who is your ideal client? So that's also what's different about commercial design versus residential is residential is about how you personally want to feel in the space. Commercial is how you want your prospective clients to feel in the space. That should take more precedence over how you want to feel. I will say this caveat, most of the time it's similar because people tend to attract people that are like themselves to their practice. But what you want to do is you want to just like, who are you trying to show up as? Are you trying to show up as um, the cutting edge authority on something? Are you trying to show up as the comfortable around the corner, available, friendly couch doctor? You know, are you trying to show up as the expert in pediatrics and you want those kids to just want to be there? Are you trying to show up as someone that really, really understands aging and what that's about? So what, how are you trying to show up and who would your ideal patient be? And that begins to form image, form words first. And those words begin to form kind of images. So we have our, our doctors actually start by giving us that information and then also following it up with pictures because we say a picture speaks a thousand words. So if you say you want a professional space and someone next door says a professional space, I bet it's two different looks Mm -hmm. because it's not descriptive enough if you follow me. So that's where we start. And we start with this vision. And then as designers, we develop the space to function first. It's got to function. If it doesn't function, you're asking me, the other thing that startups probably don't realize they can do is really challenge how many different ways that space can be laid out instead of just taking the first one they get from the landlord architect. And I can speak this because I used to be a landlord architect years and years ago. So I did that job and I know how little time I had to meet with those clients so I could only give them my first or maybe second impression of the space. And didn't have another enough time to really go back and forth and challenge. Going through the um, process with our guest home. So my father-in-law is a builder. He's a custom home builder. Um, but we did learn quickly. We had a designer on the project. We didn't have an architect. Um, we didn't have an interior designer. So things do get missed or you're assuming it's going to happen this way. And then the builder says, no, it's got to happen this way. You know, and so then you're back into making decisions in the process instead of doing it up front. Then you have these change orders, which really isn't efficient. And it can quickly kind of um, tick off multiple parties, you yeah. know, in, in the process. So yeah. from what I'm hearing is working with someone like you, you're figuring all that out up front. So you're limiting any surprises that could happen within the project. You said that beautifully. Yes, that's our goal. You know, when you look at flow, Mm -hmm. you know, there's obviously when we 
if everybody watching or listening can picture going to a doctor's office, most of the time, it's not the best feeling. Just what are some misconceptions? Because a lot of times, you know, when I would go to the doctor, there's this sterile waiting room, you know, very bland. Uh, it may look professional, but it's it it doesn't have this uh, super inviting feeling. Then there's frosted glass and, you know, you have to sign in and maybe somebody will slide open the glass and a couple minutes. So like what, how do you guys approach it where, um, those things don't happen because I'm assuming that's not how you want people to feel if they're going to move forward with treatment. So one of the things we see a lot, it's interesting that you said that is the, that the little window with the person behind it and the sliding glass is very, very old. Mm -hmm. We do not see that happen very often in any new offices at all. Okay. That's good. So one of, one of the renovations we do is busting that out and opening mm. up that front desk. Because as soon as you've opened up that front desk to the people and you make it more connective, then you feel, you feel, you as the patient walking in, feel more connective and less sterile and less a number, et cetera. Now, there is HIPAA things you have to be concerned with. You have to make sure things are covered and not. But that can all be handled, especially now with computers and computer screen covers and less paper and all of those type of things. Um, but how that how that feeling feels when you walk into the office. The other thing is that we're really big upon we're talking about all this paper. All that paper doesn't have to be behind the front desk. It can be to a little office that's through a door behind the front desk. Do you follow me? So cleaning it up and making it as inviting as possible. So think about when you walk into a nice quality hotel, you don't see all that stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You see, and, and the other thing is just a stand-up feeling, more of a concierge stand-up where even if the person behind the desk is just on a stool, there's more of an eye-to-eye -eye level. That helps emotionally have a connectivity with that incoming patient. So there's some psychology there, if you follow me. Yeah. Um, the yeah. other just aesthetically is just the lighting. If the lighting is just a swash of two by four fluorescent fixtures, you're going to feel more like Walmart than you are like something inviting and warm. So even just changing the lighting to vary it can change that emotion. So when you think about retail design, we combine retail design and hospitality design when we do doctor's offices. Retail because doctors are having to promote, okay? Orthodontist. It's not a have to, it's a choice, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever it's a choice, just like retail, you need that connectivity between what that patient is considering doing and trusting this doctor and all of that environment around them supporting that. So in a well-designed retail store, when you walk in the store, the store design is congruent with what you're expecting to pay for. So if you want, I love to talk about when we walk into a Walmart, no criticism to Walmart, they're very successful, but you have an expectation of the low price leader. You're going to get a deal and it's designed. So you feel like a little bit in a garage sale and you're going to get a deal. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. You go into a high end designer store. It's a totally opposite. You don't see price tags everywhere. You don't really want to ask how much things are. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a whole different feeling. And it's every, all merchandise is more spread out. Everything is on spotlight. It's just a different expectation that's set up with that surrounding. Then hospitality design really comes into play when you think about, say you're going out to dinner 
and you're going to pick a restaurant. Well, you pick the food, but you're picking the atmosphere just as just as equivalently. You know, it's you want both, whatever kind of atmosphere you're looking for. So that environment is what you want to create for your patients to make them feel comfortable and want to keep coming back, depending on what you're what you're just like we were talking about. Is it a pediatric? Is it a geriatric? You know, there's different impressions. That you, is it a sports facility? Is it, fo- you know, focused on sports and you would go in there and you'd feel comfortable walking in there in your sports attire? Or are, is it very focused on neurology? And you know that that's really a little bit more high ticket and you just, mm-hmm. people, you dress differently when you go mm-hmm. to a neurologist than you do to a sports PT. How do you guys measure success. You go through the process, you know, you have this hopefully beautiful office, but more, more importantly, it functions and fits the need and fits the demographic and the avatar. You know, how do you guys see success uh, with this type of project? All I can measure, unfortunately, is just the feedback we get from clients. Yep. It's not really a, uh, hey, it's a, it's a, I can't really see like you can in marketing where you say, I'm going to put so much into my Google spend and this is how much directly I can see leads right. I got from that. I wish it could be like that, but it's it's not. It's more of a, I mean, I've got lots of testimonials from clients that, you know, the first week they had their highest collection that mm. they've had or their, you know, they've seen a 10 to 20% increase you know, in the first month and just that and and the psychology, it's hard to differentiate, you know, what is it? Is it that doctor's mindset has changed because he's more proud of what his face is? Is it the patient's mindset has changed so they referred more because they're more proud of it? Is it the uh, clinicians, the people behind the desk that are just that whole elevating? It's just like when you put on nice clothes that you feel good in. Your whole persona changes. So is that what's happening? Or probably yes. Another thing that's obviously happening is the flow is better. It's been thought through. So there's bottom line efficiencies that are happening and things people can, you can get more people through faster when the efficiencies are there. It's a combination of things. So it's hard to like put an absolute dollar on it, but we've seen 10 to 20% is the numbers that have been reported to us. This is huge because we go in a lot of offices I probably visit about 10 or so myself in person in a year. And then other people on our team go out as well, you know, orthodontist and dentist or multi-specialty and some practices, you know, you can, you can feel how well they're doing or not so well they're doing just even by approaching their building. You know, if you're approaching their building and, you know, this building kind of looks a little bit like a prison and they're on the third floor in a corner versus, you know, you got floor space right on the corner. It's a beautiful lot. That's a totally different vibe and expectation walking in. And then, you know, I'll walk in sometimes and it's like, we got this space and we made it work versus this space is built out for exactly what we do in, in the flow and our workflow. And when you get a space just to make it work, it it's really chain reactive. You kind of see that approach in everything. It's kind of like how you do something is how you do anything. We really try, and this is not our forte, but um, it's funny that we're, we're talking now because I, I recently, I think it was last week, um, suggested to a partner that 
They change the paint on the walls, change the lighting, get up some fun photos. And they may not have be able to knock down walls and fix the flow and all these things yet. But there are there are things that they can do even now to just kind of bring everything up. And so I think this is so important to be thinking about this and looking at it objectively versus like, well, this is the space we got, you know, oh, well, we'll make it work. We have for your listeners, a, uh, we created a, a landing page for podcast listeners. And the resource we have on it is the five point designer checklist. And it is exactly what you're talking about. But it is a it is a checklist that we actually use when we evaluate an office initially that want, that needs that, not the flow change, but that initial first image impression. Mm. And it has five points in it. But one of the things that we say in the book um, is that you can't judge it. You need someone from the outside to do it. So you, as a professional coming into an office to be their coach and consultant, should have the right to speak into them we're going to walk through this space and I'm going to tell you from this checklist what I'm seeing. And the number one thing is, is it dirty and messy and or disorganized? Mm-hmm. Inexpensive cleanups can make a huge difference. And then you already said it, paint on the wall. You know, if, if things are dated, you're going to look like you're out to date. And things unfortunately date every seven to 10 years. That's just part of what it is. So those type of things. But we, And then lighting. I, I really... Lighting is a big one. We just, especially in when, when people move into a basic office, you know, and you have your basic lay in light fixtures, just washing the entire space. They don't understand that that's, it can cost money, but it's not like crazy expensive to consider how can I vary the lights? How can I change the light levels so that it's, it changes as you walk through the space and that changes your energy. It's kind of funny because uh, we built the building that we're in. Uh, we've been in it a little over a year. It was a big project. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, we have two businesses that share this space. Before we came here, we were in an office in downtown Pensacola that is uh, over a 100-year-old building. Now, it's been renovated. So it's a, it was a house that's now turned into commercial use. And it's nice. But the way that the lighting was working with the walls is the the lighting was kind of yellow and the walls were kind of this subtle yellow. And somebody brought up to me one day, hey, have you ever thought about just changing the paint on the walls? Because the way the light is interacting with the paint on the walls, it just like makes me feel bad. Essentially, that's what the person said. So we had two suites. One was on the one side and it was like a shotgun space where... Uh, a lot of people were, were kind of piled in there with desk. And then the other side was like a meeting room, my office, and a bathroom. And in the meeting room, we would also use that for video shoots, calls like this. And so we tried it there first. And we went to like a um, almost like a, a very light gray, but it was like an off-white color. And it was cool. And the way that it interacted with the light was so much better. I mean, it changed it from this stale environment to more high end. Got some furniture, nice couch. And so even then you could see, wow, this one room is now totally different. And like you're saying, when those types of things change, it changes how you show up because it changes how you feel. 
you know, and and even then moving from that building to this building, there's a whole new energy because this building is brand new, state of the art. We worked with a designer. We spent our time picking out everything. We got that board like you talked about with the carpet and tiles and paints and everything so you could see it. And it really does help. And you did it all Um, before you built it. Everything before we built it. Yeah, hundred percent. But I think like you're saying, you know, I'll notice my office doing the same thing that you're talking about where it's, it, everything's just stacking up around you and, and you start to tune it out. And sadly, that's what people do with their space. But that new patient is not tuning it out. It's the first time they're interacting with it. So yeah. this is, I just want to emphasize for people, this is so important. It's not like this small thing of, you know, maybe I should do it or maybe it helps it. It really does does make a massive difference. Yeah, it's amazing. So people listening or watching, maybe they want to learn more. Obviously, we'll put that link in the show notes. Okay. Um, We'll probably bring it up on screen too, um, how to get that. But how should somebody get in touch with you? So our website is everything you could ever want to know and more about us. And it's crossfieldsdesign.com. And... um, there is, you can see our portfolio. You can see the different services we offer. I actually have some online product uh, where we've packaged together different design schemes and styles for those that really don't want to hire a designer. Um, so there's different resources on that. And then if you're interested in working with us on a one-on-one, you would book a complimentary consultation. And that's about an hour. And we actually look at your specific project and what you're dealing with, whether it's what we call a facelift or whether it's a new build or we do ground ups too. So anything in that realm, and then we can talk through it and discuss what, um, what we could offer and what the steps would be. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about hip or any of the topics in this episode, send an email to hello at hipcreativeinc.com. That's hello at H-I-P-creativeinc.com or jump over to our website at hip.agency.